Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, please. And we'll stay on the theme that the children were on uh, just a few moments ago. And verse 1, please. Luke 2 and verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea. Unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, and the days were accomplished that she should be delivered, she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Saviour, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, on an earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from heaven and from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Let's pray. Father, would you take your word? And we thank you, Lord, that's all that's went on before with the children and the youth and we pray lord that you would wing something something real to the hearts of men and women this evening real to do with your son and the urgency and the need of them to trust in him as their savior we pray lord for the next few moments that you would lord use my lips and my mouth a man of clay to bring your word to preach to this people we pray O oh god that christ would be exalted lifted up and glorified for he alone is worthy let him be seen alone and none else. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. From verses 1 to 5, we have Joseph with Mary. She is with child. In fact, we're told she's great with child, so she's expecting and heavily pregnant, as we would say, ready almost to go to labor and, and to give birth. And so they leave Galilee to go to Bethlehem. And in Galilee in particular, the town that they're in is called Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is a strange little place. They say there was maybe only up to 200 people at the time living in Nazareth. So it wasn't big, it was very small. It was one of those little places where you would forget about or never have heard about. It was a nothing sort of a place. It was away in the north of the country, around Galilee, where the Sea of Galilee is. 
and it was actually a hated place as well. The word Nazareth has a couple of different meanings. And one of the popular meanings of the area means the guarded one. Nazareth means the guarded one. And it also means something else we'll look at in a moment. And so we read that uh, Mary and Joseph, they leave Nazareth and Galilee and they head toward Bethlehem. And so it was from there also that after Jesus is born, if you remember the, that um, uh, Herod, he orders that all male ch- children under two years of age be uh, killed in case one of them has, happens to be the Messiah. And so he's making sure that if we do this up to two years of age, these wise men could be traveling for some time. And according to these scriptures, if they're true, then this Messiah has come, this new king has come, and he's going to be removed. And of course, he orders that children under two years uh, would be slaughtered. And of course, the great murderous uh, campaign happened where all of those children were massacred. And the thing about all of this is that in Nazareth, as Jesus had went down at his birth in his mother's womb, so again, they go to Egypt. And the Lord warns them to go into Egypt in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 23. It says, And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the prophets, that he shall be called a Nazarene. So they go to Egypt. And the, the, the angel of the Lord says to Joseph, Go into Egypt, and when I give you the word, that's when it's safe for you to come back again. So really, Christ, the Nazarene, was the guarded one. He was guarded. And so then he receives word. Herod dies, and he comes back again. So Jesus is living in uh, Nazareth. And how applicable it is to Christ, because when we think of it, not only is Nazareth meaning the guarded one or the guarded place, but it also gives the idea that Jesus is guarded by God. Because God tells Joseph to go into Egypt. Guarded by the angel, for the angel brought the message. And of course, guarded by Mary. And he was carried in her womb and looked after, then grew up under her care. He shall be called a Nazarene, it says in Matthew chapter 2 and verse 23. He's called a Nazarene and no less than 20 times in the New Testament It's related as Jesus of Nazareth. No less than 20 times. Sometimes it's Jesus the prophet of Nazareth. But it is uh, likened to his name. And he becomes, as it were, set apart and made known that he is this man from Nazareth. He is the guarded one of the Father. And he's guarded until the day that the Father hands him over. And he's crucified on a tree. Think about this. This is the Father's beloved Son. The Father sent him to die. Now, Nazareth. Nazareth didn't have a very good reputation. Nazareth, as I uh, was saying, it was hated by people. It was a nothing of a place. It was a very small community. Uh, but ideologically, it was a Jewish uh, settlement was right beside it. It was a great city beside it, and they were under the auspices of it. And so when you read of uh, Judas, not Iscariot now, but the zealot, he was one who raised up an army for rebellion in Nazareth. So it got a bad name. There were what we would call today the paramilitaries of the day. 
were all being raised up in Nazareth. And yet, it was hated. The, the, the Jewish uh, leaders of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leaders of Jerusalem, people up in Galilee, away up north, they didn't want anything to do with what was going on in Jerusalem. And so the, the mostly Benjaminites that were up there, they were Israelites from the tribe of Benjamin. And yet those in, in this large city, Zipporah, or uh, uh, somewhere, somewhere around that area was the great city. And it was really a Jerusalem in the north. And they hated one another. They looked at the people outside as if they were second, third class, even that they didn't count. They, didn't, they, they were in no way counted in God's eyes because we are the people. We are the people who are religious. We are the people who are ritualistic. Look, we have the great fanfare. And there's no one outside me who is, or outside us, they would say, who can be right unless you do exactly as we do and be as we are. So you can see how it was a hated place. It was a remote place. And again, we read that there was a time in Isaiah the prophet. Now listen. I want you to get this. Isaiah the prophet in chapter 11. And verse 1. It says, And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. A branch shall grow out of his roots. Now listen to this. The second meaning believed on the name. According to the Israel Institute of Biblical Studies. It means here a branch shall come out of Jesse. King David who wrote the Psalms, his father was Jesse. A branch coming out of Jesse through King David, through Solomon, through the kings in Judah. He says there will come a branch out of that. And the word for branch or a branch is a word nister. And it's believed to be the root word for the name Nazareth. And what it really gives the idea of is through that line, in a hated little place where no one even knows about it, there's going to come a branch that's going to grow out of it. And that is the idea when Christ came as a little baby. God could have came in power, and he could have came in glory, and he could have went and looked at, as it were, the very books of heaven, and he could have seen your sin, and he could have seen my sin, and he could have looked at who we were, that we were lost, that we were uh, on the broad road to destruction, as the Bible tells us, every single one of us. And he could have looked at us and he could have judged us worthy of damnation and he could have left us in our sin like that, that we would have gone to a devil's hell. But guess what? He didn't. He sent forth a branch. He's sending it out in order to reach out, to come out of Nazareth. He sent forth a branch. It's a, called a righteous branch. The righteous branch would grow out of this little forsaken place that no one wanted, then everyone thought this was the place where, as it were, the paramilitary groups come from. This is the place where every, every robber that we'd maybe hide in, and, and on the religious side, well, it's covered by those who are away down south that we want nothing to do with, but yet God deemed it fit that he would grow up among these people. Now, there was a text that was called in the reading, and they leave this place of Nazareth. Jesus, the righteous branch, was in the womb of a young virgin girl. John chapter 1 and verse 46. Philip comes to a man called Nathaniel. And he says, Nathaniel, I'm paraphrasing just for time's sake, he says, Nathaniel, you want to come and meet this man we have met because 
This is the one the prophets have spoken of. This is the one that the prophets have told us who was coming. And he's here. We believe he is the Messiah. We believe he is the Savior. We believe that he is the Christ. And listen to what Nathaniel says. Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Are you joking? Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? We know what sort of place Nazareth is. We understand what sort of place Nazareth is. And we know the sort of people that Nazareth has. Can any good thing come out of this place? And you know, the only good thing that came out of it was the righteous branch. The only good thing that came out of it was the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And then we're told that Nazareth in later years, no, they done, they turned him away. Notice, this is important. Sometimes in our lives, we're coming up and everyone's holiday-minded. But not everyone gets to enjoy the holiday. Sat at the bedside this afternoon of a man who, who had just died. He was sitting in front of me. Just this afternoon. Sat with a grieving family. Holidays mean nothing in the light of eternity, friend. I want to say it, I want you to hear it. Holidays mean nothing in the light of eternity. A man went out into eternity this afternoon and I sat right beside him and I held his hand there. This man was saved. This man knew his Lord. This man went into the presence of his king. What if it was you, my friend? You see, sometimes we think, can any good thing come out of this situation? Can any good thing come out of this hopeless life? And listen, you're listening to a man who had a hopeless life. You're listening to a man who, and I'm not going to go into all the stuff, all that I did and all of my life, it's not worth it. But I was as bad as anybody else could be in this world. I was addicted as any addict was in this world. Can any good thing ever happen to a man like that? I was that Nazareth. But you know what I didn't know? That Jesus loved me. That God sent his son for me. That a righteous branch of the rod of the stem of Jesse had already been birthed. And that he was guarded until he got to a cross. And that one gave his life for me. And I could tell you a million stories of my life. Tell you how bad a boy I was. But when I came to Christ, he washed it all away. You see, friend, you might think, well, my life's too far gone. I hear it all the time. If I was to enter a church, as it were, you know, the building would fall down. All these things people, these wee quips people do just to make it up the second and tell you, well, you're sitting in one that hasn't fell down yet. And God has you here for a reason. Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can any good thing 
be done in your life? Can any good thing help you in your life? Christ was the only good thing that was mentionable in Nazareth. Christ was the only good thing that was mentionable to come out of Nazareth. Christ went back into Nazareth. He was the only good thing. And Christ turned away from Nazareth because they rejected him. Matthew 13. Listen to what it says in verse 57. The Lord Jesus looking at Nazareth after all that he had done growing up with him. He says, a prophet is not without honor, save in his own country and in his own house. The hardest people to witness to are your family. Isn't that true, Christian? The hardest people to to get through to your family. And I remember many a time trying to get through to my family. Remember many a time trying to witness and speak of the Lord Jesus Christ to my family. Remember it over and over and over again. The problem is my family knew who I was. My family knew, well, not really they knew some of what I got up to. Most of it they didn't know. And that's who they pictured me as. But I can tell you, friend, maybe that's your life tonight. But see, when a man and woman come to saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he doesn't look at you and remember your whole life. He doesn't look at you and remember your past. And he doesn't look at you and remember your faults and your failures and your, your misdemeanors. He doesn't look at you and remember all of your sin. No. When you're in Christ... He looks at you and he sees you cleansed. He sees you forgiven. He sees you covered. He sees you as his. You're not perfect. But you're his. And Luke chapter 2 and verse 5 says, And Mary was a spouse to Joseph, being great with child. Notice she brought forth her firstborn son. And Joseph knew her not until this son was born. In other words, she was a virgin. It was her firstborn son. She was a virgin girl. She brought forth her son. And then later, did you know the Lord Jesus had brothers and sisters? Many people think that they didn't, uh, that she didn't uh, bear any more children. But the Bible tells us in Matthew 13 and 55 that in a place Jesus' mother Mary came and James's brother and Josie's and Simon and Judas. And in verse 56 it says, And his sisters came. He was preaching in a house when he was older. And they come around the house. And they start to think, My brother's going mad. Even Mary, who's been through all of this, she thinks, well, you know, uh, uh, she's remembering these things. She's pondering it in her heart. And yet she's forgetting all that the Lord has done with her. Am I speaking to someone? Maybe you walked well with the Lord and you're forgetting all that God's done. You're forgetting who Christ is. You've forgotten what he's offered you and what he's reached out as that branch to you, the salvation, redemption. You've maybe grasped hold of it at one point and and maybe you've walked with him and you've talked with him and you've been in the place of prayer and worshiping him and you've loved him and known that he's loved you and you've got to a place where you've forgotten all about it. Even his mother says, Bring out my son. I'm paraphrasing for time. Uh, he's gone a bit mad. Nazareth to Bethlehem. This route that they had taken was not full of tarmac roads with lovely.
systems that we can drive down today. This rough and rugged road um, it was 90 miles. Bethlehem's about 9.2 miles south of Jerusalem. Comes right down from little Nazareth. Comes the whole way down past Jerusalem where the temple is and he comes right down nine, I'm told it's 9.2 miles, we'll take their word for it. And they're at Bethlehem. They come and there's no room for Jesus at the end. I want you to notice something as I wrap this up with my last couple of thoughts. There's no room for Jesus at the end. And typically we have a scene where this wee scene has been painted like a little barn. And we have the little cradle manger here. And you know, it wasn't like that whatsoever. Nothing like that whatsoever. In fact, even some say it was a cave. And it may well be, but it doesn't seem like that when we really look at Scripture, what it was like. In our reading, we, we're, we're told about the shepherds that are visited. And the angels of the Lord are praising God and, uh, and singing the praises of Christ. And they're not at Jerusalem, they're at Bethlehem. They're about nine miles, 9.2 miles south of of Jerusalem here. They're not there at Jerusalem. You see, the temple was at Jerusalem. They, they slayed animals at Jerusalem. And, and what happened was that out in those fields, the shepherds were Levitical shepherds. In other words, what they had was known as a, a tower or a citadel. And they had this tower in some of the fields or a, a raised level where they could go up maybe a couple of floors and they looked out over the fields where the sheep were and they were able to keep watch aloft from afar. Others were in the field and they were ministering to sheep while others would have kept watch looking for danger, maybe a bear or maybe a, a wolf or something that would come along to endanger one of the sheep. But the most uh, precious thing to them was that they had the rare a, a spotless lamb without blemish to bring to the temple up north nine miles. And people would have come at Passover and they would have said, have you got a lamb? I need to bring a lamb to the Lord. I'm not a farmer and I'm not, I'm not one with cattle or I'm not one with livestock. I need to bring a lamb according to God's word because if a lamb was slain, then that blood atoned for my sin. And so they, they looked for these lambs that were without blemish and without spot and that's the job of these shepherds. Maybe up that citadel, here's something for you to think about. We're told in our reading in chapter 2 in verse 8, Pardon me, verse 7. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped them in notice swaddling clothes and laid them in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So they're not in the inn. Where are they? They're not in a little barn as we think. As many think that actually what has happened here, they could have actually been near one of these citadels, these towers where the sheep were brought to you. And when the shepherds looked at the sheep and they seen a ewe about to give birth, they put them in a manger. And it held the ewe because these lambs were not just any lambs that had to be born out in a field. Oh no, these lambs were special. They were for Yahweh. They were for worship. They were precious lambs. And so they handled them, as it were, with kid gloves. 
And they'd have put the lamb in, uh, or the ewe in when the ewe gave birth. It was taken out, and then the lamb was set into the manger, as it were. Not like this, but some sort of a framework. We have this little thing in our head. And what happened was it was rubbed down after it was inspected, and there was no damages done to it. It's a pure little lamb. It was rubbed down with oil, protected skin that it wouldn't be marked, wouldn't be stretched or scored. And then it was taken with swaddling clothes, and they were bound up. This is a spotless lamb. And those robes were believed to be old Levitical priest robes of linen. And they had been in the temple and the blood was shed. They had been shedding the blood of thousands of these sheep, these lambs and animals onto the Lord in the old covenant. And the, the Levitical priests, their, their garments were saturated in blood. So they take the, the garments and they, and they wash the garments out. And they cleanse it. We have blood and we have water. And they wash it out and they strip the garments into strips. And the priests wore new white garments again. And they take these garments down to the shepherds and they say, wrap the lamb in this. So they take the swaddling clothes and they wrap the lamb. The Lord Jesus may well have been brought. He was led in a manger. He may well have been in a citadel tower of Levitical shepherds who were looking for a spotless lamb. And they were out in the field and they've come and said, if you go, you'll find there's a lamb wrapped in swaddling clothes priestly garments stained with blood. That's your sign. Friend, I'll close with this. Thank you for your attention. I'll close with this thought to you. It's only through the blood of the Lamb. John the Baptist said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ. He was wrapped in swaddling clothes and those shepherds knew we're coming to see perfection. We're coming to see something wonderful. And when they come in, here is the sign. There he is. The Lamb of God. The Lamb of God that would die to end all sacrifice of lambs. Can I ask you something? Do you know this lamb? Are you trusting in this lamb? You see, this is no ordinary lamb. Listen, this is God's lamb. This is God's lamb. I don't mean to bring the tone of anything down because there's a grieving family. But that man today was saved by grace. He knew the lamb. He trusted in the blood of the lamb, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's assured of where he is. Now, can I ask you, what about you? What about you? 
okay, and come on. I'll come to hear the children singing. Yeah, but God used it to bring you here. To hear about his love. The blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. And it's only through the blood of the Lamb can you and I be forgiven and washed and ready for heaven. And while this whole world or this Western Hemisphere, while we look toward this time people call Christmas, I'll tell you, Christ doesn't need a mass. Christ needs no mass. Christ died and he was buried and he rose again the third day. He's ascended into heaven and he is interceding at the right hand of the Father for those who trust in him. You know what he says? Father, he stands and he shows the wounds in his hands and his feet. Marks in heaven. He says, that scoundrel, that rascal Ken Davidson, he's trusting in what I have done for him. The lamb without spot or blemish, the Lord Jesus Christ, is a lamb now as what had been slain in glory, which means it is a lamb with marks. It, the, the scars are there that he bore for you. The scars are there that he bore for me. Do you know the in, only imperfect kind of said, Lord, please forgive me, for the Lord knows the heart I'm saying it in and the, and the motive of mine, Lord, forgive me if this is irreverent, but I don't mean it to be the only imperfection which is perfect to me. In the whole of heaven is the very nail-scarred hands and feet of Christ. Yet when I see them, it's not imperfections, it's perfect. Perfectly glorious. Because he bore them that I might be with him. And that you might be there. May you have a blessed Christmas. May you have a, a good time with your family. Can I tell you, before you leave this place tonight, may you come to faith in Christ. And may you know the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. Amen.